is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to go follow all of our socials at Around the 412, as well as go subscribe on YouTube as well. Um, so we are doing something a little bit different moving forward from now until, who knows, well, this might be a permanent thing. But we're going to start doing each of the three sh- three teams having their own shows, and we're going to put them out in three consecutive days every every week for you guys. Um, might be a little bit cleaner for, for some of you that want to listen to just Steelers, just Penguins, just Pirates. You know, actually nobody listens to us for just Pirates. But a little bit cleaner, and, and, and we'll, we'll get some more content out for you in, in consecutive days. A little shorter episodes, so easier to listen as well. Um, but for moving on forward, we'll have each three of, of the three teams having their own episode. This one is the first one we're doing, and it's going to be the Steelers for you all. We just had that preseason game, so of course we got to talk about the Steelers first. Yeah, well, I just want to briefly touch on the whole episode thing, too. I mean, there's times where we're going like an hour, 15 minutes, something like that. You know, people having to like pause the show and then come back to it. How many people are actually going to be doing that? So to your point, I just think for the listener listener or viewer, it's going to be an easier consume for them. uh, The way that we're going to be breaking it up now. Uh, in the description of each of these, we're still going to have the GoFundMe link for Rock Around the 412, as well as Haley's stuff going on down there for all the episodes that we put out. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be nice to be putting out some different videos. Uh, speaking of different videos, Tyler actually just messaged our group chat about this. A while back, if you guys remember, we were talking about trying to do some different content on the channel as well. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I feel majorly to blame for the fact that that hasn't happened with me taking on that new project of uh, afternoon drive with Alan. Um, I'm not like making an excuse for not being able to find the time, but that's 100% the reason that I would say that I haven't been as uh, jumping on it as I would otherwise. So, but we still have the desire to do that. Hopefully sooner rather than later, we're doing uh, these tier lists that we keep talking about doing, but that's neither here nor there right now. We're here to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know what more you could have asked for from the number one offensive group uh, in this game against Tampa Bay on Friday, last Friday. I think the thing for me that stood out the most, and I was just talking with Alan about this, was throw away the fact that they scored, throw away the stats of it. I think that at this point in time, and really in general, when you're having these conversations, Obviously, you need the results to come, but they can't come without the right process. So it's really just important to look at the process of things. And man, I don't know what more you could have had. Specifically, like I think the number one unit as a whole looked really good. Kenny. I mean, that is my main Mm -hmm. takeaway. His one incompletion was to avoid a sack. So basically perfect in this game, in my opinion. Did everything that you would want to see. I think the improved velocity is real. I don't know. It's necessarily about like you know, getting stronger up top. I actually think it's more about his lower half and being able to drive the football more. I mean, that touchdown to Pickens is all about him stepping into that throw, the willingness to fire that into not a very big window and giving George the opportunity to be able to turn up field. I, I thought it was just perfect execution on his part on that play and through a lot of the plays. The one time that they really did get behind the sticks after a dump off to Najee and then a pitch out to Warren. So they're sitting at like a third and 10. Kenny rolls out to the right and hits Deontay coming back to the sticks. Perfect play. 
Uh, the touchdown was on third and eight as well, but they were at that point at least in field goal range at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I looked at this game. I went back and watched it probably five times. I I know that Tampa Bay didn't have the number one defense out there. Taking that into consideration, again, it, it was more for me about seeing if the improved velocity was real, what his footwork looked like in the pocket, what he looked like rolling out. I, I think that you saw everything you wanted to see. Absolutely. And I think it's... It's hard to say whether actual momentum carries over from one season to the next. I mean, the the last time these guys played was like eight months ago, but Mm -hmm. it it seemed like some of the momentum that Kenny had picked up towards the end of the season continued into the preseason game in Tampa. And even though it was just the one drive, that's all we saw. I just felt like there was the, the shed of confidence and the things you were saying with the velocity and his footwork, he just seemed like a more polished quarterback than he did in year one, which is, which is to be expected. I mean, he's going into the second season, but that's what you really wanted to see, which was, which was really nice, especially like you, you, you said the, the Pickens touchdown, for example, that is a Mm -hmm. perfect example of how it's different from last year. Cause last year we didn't really see a lot of throws like that. Uh, and honestly, we didn't see a lot of routes like that from from Pickens either. So that that type of play is something that you can expect this year that you didn't see last year. And the ones as a whole, including the offensive line, that was the first time that this unit has played all all together. At least not against the Steelers' uh, defense is what what I mean. And the the actual in game practice, they they looked good. I feel like they 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 looked. Um, pretty solid for their first time suiting up next to each other because there's a lot of new faces on this offensive line. There's a lot of a lot of uh, uh, questions about how much chemistry that they would have because there's there's uh, there's a lot different from last year. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. The number ones looked great, even though it was really just the one drive, especially for like Kenny. Um, but there's not much that you could have asked for. Like, could they have been a little more 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 perfect? Absolutely, but. I think from what we got from them, at least in this first preseason game, that's all we needed to see is, is, and that just gave a ton of confidence to the fans. I felt like moving forward that like, okay, we we're not really worried about what Kenny is going to provide. He showed that. And even Tomlin said that, like we, we saw what we needed to see out, out, out of Kenny. And so, so I think that was a perfect, perfect way to, to say it is like, we saw exactly what we should have seen from a guy that we're expecting to take a big leap into year two. And a guy that we're talking about has, honestly no more excuses when it comes to his his weapons that he has on offense he is he has no shortage of anybody to get the ball to so yeah to, for him to have the drive that, that he did and like you said the only incompletion he had was was that dump off because he was going to get a sack so I, I i think that was a perfect drive for them to open up the this 2023 season in the preseason and it, it's like i said to open this up this little montage is it's not like likely that momentum could carry over from one season to the next, but at least for Kenny himself, I feel like from what we saw towards the end of the end of the season, that's continued and even gotten better on top of it in the off season. So it was, it was really impressive to see. That's interesting too, because you heard the players, like when the season ended, like they were like bummed out, like obviously, well, obviously because their season came to an end, but just because too, like they went seven and two down the stretch they felt like if they could have snuck in, they could have made some noise because of mm-hmm. the way that they ended the season. So to just have it end so abruptly, they feel like there was still some meat left on the bone last season. So that's an interesting point, too, is like carrying that over to this year. Um, obviously, the momentum they created down the stretch, but also probably a little bit pissed off that they missed out on the dance last year, a team that historically does not miss the playoffs. Um 
So, yeah, that's an interesting point, too. I did want to say, because we were talking, let's, if we're talking about this offense, I think we got to bring it up, too. JTO Sullivan, who I watch a lot of his content on YouTube. Um, I think he's a great resource for learning different, whether it's like different zone coverages of a defense and how to read them, um, whether it's learning route concepts. Like, I just think he's a really good resource for people learn, wanting to learn more about the X's and O's and stuff of football. Uh, called out Matt Canada and the Steelers offense for the way that they came out in this game um, because it, they were just running basic stuff. The thing is, like, while I get it, like, it's not the most fun stuff to watch and you're hearing, you know, you got a second-year quarterback, George Pickens, like a lot of different pieces on this offense. People are excited to see this offense, what it looks like now. You're not going to see that, though, in the first preseason game, and I don't think that's necessarily on Matt Canada. I, I Like, league-wide, teams are not throwing out their playbook right now and showing it to the world. So there's a lot of stuff in there that I don't think that we saw in the Steelers were keeping it basic, you know, running Hank, which is they run it more than basically anybody else in the league. Um, what was the other one that he had a lot of problem with? Um, oh, uh, slant sticks was the other thing that he had an issue with. It's like, it was like the two of the first three plays of the game that the Steelers ran or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and he didn't like the concepts and it's like, I get it. You know, you want to see more interesting stuff. They're keeping it pretty basic. Every team around the league is keeping it basic in the first week of the preseason. I really think this was just a shot at Matt Canada because of what Matt Canada has been for the Steelers so far as an offensive coordinator, because I don't think it was a justified shot to take at this point. I don't either. I, I, I think that's, that's a little premature to say, and especially you're talking about the first plays, not even just the first game. If you're if you're if you're nitpicking on the first plays that they're showing in the preseason, I I, I feel like that's that's a little bit of an overreaction. And I and then I could be wrong on this, but I feel like in the past couple seasons that we've had Matt Canada, offensive coordinator, we've seen a very big difference from what he showed in the preseason to what he he has shown in the regular season, whether for better or for worse, whether we like it or not. There has been a difference that's been shown in those weeks. So, yeah, I think that takes probably a little premature. Um, and, and and I agree with you. I think it's pretty targeted at, at Matt Canada just because of the way the Steelers offense has been under Matt Canada. It's an easy punching bag to have. Um, and this is something that every NFL team is going to do. And to your point, it makes sense. Why would you want to show anything in the preseason? Yeah. Yeah, the one team that I mentioned to Allen, I was curious to see how different their offense looked. And I haven't gone back and watched their first preseason game yet, but uh, the Ravens with Todd Monken now as the offensive coordinator. I'm curious as to how different that offense is going to look. Um, but yeah, I haven't gone back and watched that. I don't know, but I doubt that there's much that's not vanilla being thrown out right now by NFL yeah, offense. And and I'm, it's it's very interesting to me that you're going to complain, regardless of whether they uh, it's simple or not, you're going to complain about plays that were on a scoring drive too. Like It's not like they, these were plays that got shut down. I understand it wasn't against all of Tampa Bay's number ones, but like mm -hmm. it led to a touchdown. <laughs> regardless, whether it's simple or not, if it leads to touchdowns, I don't care how complicated it is. Uh, you met the touchdown to George Pickens. I think we got to have a little bit of a conversation about this. Uh, Ryan Clark coming out and saying he's more talented than Justin Jefferson, who's widely considered the best wide receiver in the league. Um, and and I, listen, I, Ryan Clark is an LSU guy. Justin Jefferson's an LSU guy. He like prefaced by saying, because everybody knows people think like Ryan's like super biased towards the Steelers. 
he calls them out for a lot of stuff though too. Like I think he's more biased towards LSU than he is to the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Um, I so I think where this ta- and, I, and he's explained it. Allen actually talked about it too and kind of had a similar opinion where it's like saying he's more talented doesn't at all mean he's better, right? You're just talking about from like a raw physical traits perspective, thinking that there's more there with George Pickens. If they both hit their ceilings, George Pickens would be the better player. It's an interesting conversation to have because I think the argument could be there that George Pickens if every player or if every wide receiver in the NFL hit their ceiling, George Pickens might be the best wide receiver in the NFL. I think there's the argument to be made there. As we sit here right now, it seems like a pretty wild take, but I will say that the explanation of it makes sense to me because, again, you're not talking about the best. You're not talking about the most productive. You're just talking about pure talent, nothing else added to it. What makes Justin Jefferson so great is that on top of the tremendous talent that he possesses is he's, he's he works harder than anybody else. He's a route technician. He knows the nuances of the game. He's a junkie. So I, I think I, I can understand where the take is coming from. I can get it. Um, and I, I, I thought back whenever I saw this initially to, to things that we had talked about during our live show last last year during the draft. And we, we were looking at some of the wide receivers that was taken ahead of George Pickens. And I'll be able to just go through some of those guys. Um, wide receivers, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, Christian Watson, Wandale Robinson, and John Mechie, the third, and, and Tyquan Thornton, Thornton, two picks earlier. There's a lot of guys that George Pickens should have been picked over. Let's just face it. that That's the way it is. He was a first-round wide receiver, and teams did, did pass on him because of off-field issues they thought they could have. That That's the reality of the situation. So we got a, a first-round talent, arguably a top three, top two. Heck, I, I mean, there's probably people that can make an argument for he was the best wide receiver in that draft class. I, I'm, our buddy Richie thinks he was the best wide receiver in that draft class. So I, I, I think that it, it's not surprising to me to hear a take like this, that he's better than some of the top wide receivers. It is interesting to me that it's coming from Ryan Clark and it, he's, he's talking about an LSU guy that, and then Justin Jefferson. That's the interesting to me thing. And, and I said, I replied in actually a group chat of, of a fantasy football league I'm in because they posted um, oh. that, 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 that thing. And I was just like, listen, mm-hmm. as a lifelong Steelers fan, I'm not saying that George Pickens is better than Justin Jefferson. In fact, I would say Justin Jefferson, I think he is the best wide receiver in football. But with the skill and just the raw potential that George Pickens has, he could easily be a top 10 receiver at the end of this season. And and that I think that shouldn't surprise anybody. Looking at his body of work that he had last year um, as a rookie and what he can grow on top of it, we've all seen the flashy plays that he has in training camp. I, I think that his skill set is something that is very unique and not everybody has. And and whenever you have a receiver that is able to to put that that skill set together on the field, you get a very special player. And I think that George Pickens, and we said it on this show, he as of right now, I'd still say Deontay is the number one receiver on the Steelers. But we both said that eventually George Pickens will probably be the number one receiver. It could be as soon as this year. And I, I think that 
it's it's not a, a as brash of a take as some people may seem. And and like what Allen was saying, you're not saying that he is a bit be, the better receiver right now, but it, does he have more skill? I think there's arguments to be made. I and and I, I think that honestly they're probably very close in skill level. Um, in, in totality, Justin Jefferson's just been able to put it situationally on the field more, but he's also been in the league a few more years. So we'll see where George Pickens is at by the time Justin, he's, he's where Justin Jefferson is, but it's, it's different situations, but yeah, I don't think it's that bad of a take. George Pickens is an absolute freak. He's an alien. We all know this. Um, we, we've known this the entire time. So I, I think that honestly, and anybody who's mad is just not a Steeler fan because Steeler fans should be thrilled that people are thinking that right now, especially Ryan Clark. By the way, I'm still Devontae Adams right now as number one wide receiver in the league. Um, but from the other part of it, right, is best or most talented doesn't necessarily mean the most productive. Like guys can play in an offense where you know, Kevin, o- and, and this isn't me saying like Justin, that, that was a very stupid take, by the way, just saying Justin Jefferson was a system wide receiver and Kirk Cousins made him with the production that he gets. But Kevin O'Connell, saying obviously, Kirk the Cousins background made anybody is, is a laughable yeah, I mean, sentence. I, I do and that's think no disrespect that, to Kirk Cousins. He's a fine yeah. quarterback, but like the only the only one you could probably say that for is Patrick Mahomes, that he made a wide receiver. Like he took the wide receiver crew that he had last year to the Super Bowl and won. So. Yeah, that's what I'll say I, about that. I do think that obviously the, the the situation matters for receivers. You're playing a position that's dependent on another position getting you the ball and also an offense that is able to steam up those touches and that production for you. So that's why I keep going back to like the thing with Pickens is I don't know if he's ever going to be a super high volume guy. So whether he's the most talented guy I don't necessarily think the production is ever going to to line up with that and and be, you know, within the top three to five guys in the league in terms of, you know, catches, yardage, the touchdowns I could see being up there in a couple seasons for sure. But as far as like getting that many touches, it's hard to envision it for me. Well, and you look at some of the guys that have the most touches. Now, of course, there are anomalies like a Justin Jefferson who is the number one target, but also has so many yards and so many touchdowns. Like it's it's a freak. But you look at some of the guys like Cooper Cup. I mean, granted, I'm I'm this this is no. I'm not trying to to say that slight Cooper Cup in the slightest right now. But like certain types of receivers, like slot receivers, are naturally going to get more touches. I feel like in today's NFL, and, and and receivers like Cooper Cup are going to get open more. Um, like I look at like Deontay. I feel like Deontay is closer to Cooper Cup than than George Pickens is. Deontay is going to get the most touches on the Steelers this season. But I I think that both of us would probably agree, is Deontay more skilled overall than George Pickens? Probably no. not. At least I, I don't think so. We Neither of us do. But would we still say Deontay is the number one receiver on the Steelers right now? I would. For the time being. Yeah, and yeah, I would yeah, even be I mean. right – I would even, from that perspective right now, be willing to use the word better for the same reason that I would Justin Jefferson. I think Deontay Johnson right now is better than George Pickens. I think that George Pickens is definitely more talented, and the ceiling is is super high. I Like Deontay, the thing with him that's very interesting to me, though, is, and this isn't me like making an excuse for his production, he's never had a great situation either. I mean, his first year in the league was the year that Ben missed after – 
getting hurt in week two. So he mm-hmm. had Duckton Mason running it the rest of the season. Second year, okay, Ben's back. That was the, you know, the Randy Feekner year, the year they started out 11 and 0, probably actually Deontay's worst year. That was the year that he led the league in drops. The production was still okay, still around a thousand yards. I think he had 10 yeah, at least scored touchdowns. a touchdown. Yeah. Um, then the following year was his best year, but like we're talking about playing with a shell of Ben Roethlisberger. And then yep. last year with Mitch in a, in a rookie in Kenny Pickett, I don't think that his situation has ever necessarily been favorable for him to put up the numbers he has either. So, I, I mean, I know that I'm super like bullish on these guys. I really like that. Those two as a duo, I think they complement each other perfectly. Um, I think if you're trying to have a debate between the two, you're just looking for, for, I mean, they're both Steelers. Like, what does it matter? Which one is better than the other at this point? Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, no, George Pickens is great. I, I'm, I, I think that, like I said earlier, by the time the season is over, there's a chance people could be looking at him as like a, a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, especially if this like developed route tree is like a real thing in game. I mean, looks good in practice, look pretty solid in a very small sample of the preseason game. Uh, th- this is going to be a bigger test, I think, against Buffalo. Sean McDermott, I'm curious to see when he does speak about, you know, how much time those starters will see if they will at all, both from an offense and defensive perspective. Um, I want to take one more step back before we start talking about this second game, though, about the first game, because, man, I know that we were really excited to get this rookie class in a game situation, get them on the field. Those Wisconsin boys stole the show, in my opinion. I mean, Herbig only played 13 snaps. We didn't even know if he was going to play because he didn't play in the first half. Um, showed that he was overqualified to be out there the time that he was getting 13 snaps against the Bucks, like third string left tackle. Takes him to lunch immediately. Ends up with one and a half sacks, another tackle for loss in the run game. He was fantastic in those 13 snaps. Can't wait to see him get a you know better level of competition, hopefully, against Buffalo. Uh, and then Keanu, Keanu Benton was just blowing up entire drives. He's a boulder by himself. Um, man, like Brandon Thorne, who I talk about a lot on. Uh, I almost I keep wanting to say Twitter on X, uh, is like the guy for trench play, whether that's on the offensive line or the defensive line. And he put out. He was like, the league letting Pittsburgh get Keanu Benton is ridiculous. Like they just got another steal. Can't imagine this guy getting to learn under Cam Hayward and then taking over there. Um, I, I mean, we both love the pick. I know that there were people that thought like that was their worst pick. Like, you know, people that don't actually know ball, like some guys at 93.7 um, saying that they gave the pick like a C minus or something like that. Uh, <laughs> but Keanu Benton, I, I thought was a fantastic selection and the early returns on it look as good as I thought they would. Um, fantastic athlete, great against the run, but I think he's got some pass rush juice to add to it. Not only do we, did we love the pick, but we also know ball because we both said that that's one guy that we thought was going to be a Pittsburgh like Steeler and ended up being the case. No. Yeah. Those Wisconsin boys were on a different level that night. I'll start with Herbig. The thing that I really noticed from him and like, I, I like you said, I don't know if it's because he was going to get against the threes on the Tampa's offensive line, but he's but doing I it. I just felt like Steelers starters in practice. Well, like it, I felt like his, his jump off the ball was just so freaking fast. That's the that's the first thing I noticed is that his jump and his motor to the quarterback is so quick. 
And even though he might have a size disadvantage, I feel like that speed off the edge is going to be his advantage when it comes to getting around some of these larger tackles. They might not be able to keep up that angle with him just because of how quickly he's moving. So, yeah, he looks so good in his limited snaps. And then Benton, like I said when you were talking, like the dude's a boulder. He just blows up the offensive line, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um I, I know we talked about the death chart a little bit last week. I, I feel like we're going to see a lot of him this season, and and the the, the what he's going to be able to do. We we saw what he was able to do on that fourth down stop. Just completely blew up the offensive line yeah. and and halted the play right in its tracks. I think that's really encouraging, and it shows like kind of what we had been talking about for the past month or so with with this rookie class that we have a lot of guys. Like there's like four to five guys that we're going to either expect to start or to get significant snaps right away in Pittsburgh. We're not waiting for these guys to develop. We have guys that are game ready from game one. And it, I think that was very evident on, on Friday night. I'm seeing, I'm curious to see what some of these guys look like throughout the rest of the preseason. But I, I, I think that at least with those two guys and then what we're, what we're getting with the other guys that were early on in the draft, we have a lot of dudes that can play and, and, and they're showing the reason that they, they were drafted where they were. I mean, and it's just proving our point that this is potentially the best draft class you and I have ever seen in our lifetime. Yeah, I think the test for Herbert is going to be, the biggest thing is going to be, what is he like in run defense when they run the football at him? I think we know that he can, as a really good athlete, be able to run and chase it down when it's going the other side. But if they're running to him at his size, is he going to be able to hold up? As a pass rusher, he's there. Like I think he can play mm-hmm. in an NFL regular season game tomorrow and and be able to hold up that. Um, he's just a student. I think that the amount of pass rush moves he's seemingly added just since coming to Pittsburgh already, with the help of TJ Watt adding the ghost move. He's worked with Alex on his spin move. Like he's got a cross chop. Like everything that he's adding to his toolbox already at the NFL level, I think is going to bode really well. Didn't get to see Joey Porter Jr., unfortunately. Hopefully he gets out there on Saturday for some time against the Bills. We saw way more of Roger Jones than I thought we were going to see. I mean, this dude was playing in the fourth quarter, which I was a little bit unexpected. Um, mm-hmm. At least in my opinion, I didn't expect to see that. So um, what did you make of him? I thought it was a pretty up and down day. Um, but I will say he followed it up immediately. So they play that game, obviously have the off day Saturday. He came out that following Sunday. So two days later and had probably his best practice that he has of training camp. So I think he might've learned something in that first game that like translated over. I don't know if he felt he had a mixed bag of a performance on Friday or not. I certainly felt that way. Um, but man, it, it carried over in a good way on Sunday. I'm sure he did because to be honest, if you and I are sitting here, um, talking about that he had an up and down day. I'm sure that someone is as competitive as Broderick Jones himself looking at his game is going to feel the exact same way, even more so. Yeah. So I'm sure that he looked at that tape and, and saw, honestly, what what I could expect from a rookie tackle. I, I don't really think that I could have expected a ton, ton better or a ton worse in his first outing, um, just because everybody wants to expect this guy to come in and be an all-pro right away just because he was a first-round <laughs> tackle. That, that's just not the case. The guy still needs to develop. The NFL game is still completely different. And I'm sorry, like what he faces in practice is going to be totally different than what he faces on Sundays, or in this case, a Friday night. It, it In-game action is completely different than what it is in practice. So 
I thought he had an okay night. There were times where I thought he looked pretty good. Other times I thought he got beat. And that's to me is just to be expected in your first outing as a tackle. Would I have liked to have seen better? Sure. But I'm not going to put as much pressure as a lot of Steeler fans want to put on Broderick Jones in his, his first outing as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Like, and you and I both said, and we, I'm still in the assumption that like, I think Dan Moore will start the season at left tackle. Um, whether yeah. Steeler fans want that or not, you need to let this guy develop. You need to get, let him get used to the speed of the NFL game, the speed of some of these edge rushers. It's, it's just completely different regardless of, of whether he was taken at 17 or not. So his game thought it was okay. Um, but but it's that's pretty much what I expected. I wasn't expecting him to to look like an all pro tackle in his first preseason game. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that the the growing pains uh, were very evident there. And I listen, I don't know how much he's going to play in, in game two. I wouldn't think it's going to be as much as we saw in game one. Um, but I expect to see, you know, continual improvement. Like, you know, Andy Weidel said he's an arrow up guy. I, I continue I continue to think that we're going to see that arrow pointing in the right direction. Um, I want to ask you <laughs> what to make of all this Kendrick Green stuff. Like, you look at the the depth chart right now. He's still the number two center, even though you want to talk about that first preseason game. He was somebody that stood out in a very negative way. Um, yeah. Almost got Mason Rudolph killed multiple times. Yet Mason actually looked pretty good, in my opinion, in this game, despite that. Nice little um, Calvin. Yeah. But Kendrick was really bad, and he continues to be really bad at center. And I don't know if they ruined him just because of the way that they handled the situation right out the gate or what. Um, <clears throat> so he's still listed as the backup center. But now they got him doing this fullback stuff. And it almost seemed like that was going to be the best shot that he had of sticking on the 53 was, okay, like you're going to be a backup center, but we don't have a traditional fullback anymore. You know, ours retired suddenly the first day of pads. Um, if you can do this as well, that gives you a shot to have a helmet on Sundays. That seemingly has gone okay, but with how bad he's been as a center, I just, I keep thinking that that's kind of a route that they need to look to add to the roster as a backup center, unless you really feel like you can use Nate Herbig there or James Daniels there. But again, like the problem with that is you don't want to be reshuffling pieces on the offense. Like if, if James Daniels is a really good right guard, you don't want to have to move him off that spot if somebody else – like you want to have move as few pieces as possible. So if Mason Cole gets hurt, ideally you're just plugging one guy in, not moving another guy from a position and having mm-hmm. to plug a guy into that spot and have two pieces change. So I, I, what do you make of this whole thing with Kendrick? It's tough, you know, because I, I think that as a center by itself, he, he can't be on the team uh, as a center. If, if they want to experiment and be able to, to keep him – as a the fullback experiment and hell maybe even they throw him in it like as a back list him as a backup guard i just don't think he can be the backup center we saw on friday night he got blew up a couple times it just he hasn't been able to figure out the position like people thought he would um that 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 draft pick is looking worse and worse especially because of some of the other centers they could have taken in that draft that we had talked about um but i i think that you have to bring in a center the, from from what the from what the Steelers have on their roster right now, I think that's your best option because I don't think you can rely on this guy to be your backup center based off what we've seen in game action in actual regular season games and then what we saw on Friday night. There's been no improvement, and honestly, you could say that he's gotten worse. I I think at the center position. Um, so 
I, I think it's a problem. And it's probably the biggest problem that they have on offense, which is saying something because of the, the way the Steelers offense has looked the past four or five seasons. That's, that, that's honestly a good thing that that's your biggest problem, but it's a bad problem to have is your backup center. Hopefully you never get in a scenario where you have to figure out if your backup center is any good or not, but you can't prepare for the season as if he's never going to play. You have to prepare for all all options that are available yeah. to you. So I think you need to bring a center in. Well, yeah, last year they were just very fortunate that they were just able to run it with the same five offensive linemen the entire season. Like that's that's they were the only team to do that. That's very rare. And Mason Cole, there was weeks where he was in a walking boot the entire week and then just showed up on Sunday and played. So I mean, yeah, you gotta have somebody capable there. And even so, like say Mason Cole does stay healthy the entire year. You still need a center to, you know, practice with the second unit. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't see a way that this is going to work. Based it, on we we want to talk about how, and I, and I said it earlier, Kenny has no <laughs> excuses. If if Kendrick Green has to go in at center, Kenny suddenly Kenny has an excuse. Been, yeah, yeah he's Because in. he's going to get murdered in the backfield. Because whatever <laughs> defensive tackle, whatever nose tackle is going to be on Kendrick Green is going to be in the backfield every single play. That's what yeah. we can anticipate. So, yeah, they got to, they got to change something there. Um, I am excited about as excited as you could be for a preseason game for this one against Buffalo, just because we don't know right now from either side, how much we're going to see of certain guys, but without seeing any, you know, TJ Tam, Minka, Patrick Peterson, Alan, Alan Robinson did play, I think in that first game, but didn't really do anything. Um, without seeing those, oh, Joey Porter Jr. Didn't play either. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if he can get out there. Not seeing those guys in that first game. Hopefully we see a little bit, at least one series of them in Buffalo. Just seeing if that offense is able to also continue what they put together in that drive against Tampa. Um, and then, you know, going against the competition of Buffalo, which is supposed to, I think, should be a really good team. They have been in the last few seasons. I don't really necessarily see a reason that they're going to drastically drop off at the very least. Um, so I'm excited to see this game on Saturday. What specifically, if anything, are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm curious to see what the DBs are going to look like. Um, I and especially like with Joey Porter Jr. not being able to play on Fridays. Well, KZ and Neil as well. Titan. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that I'm curious to see what the DBs are looking like because uh, from the from Friday we we saw some linebacker play. I was pleasantly pleased with some of them, especially like Quan Alexander. I thought he looked really good um, on on Friday. So on from the defense the position that i'm still like really hesitant about is just defensive back as a whole i'm not really like worried about minker or anything like that but mainly corner like what are our corners going to look like in game action and there's no guarantee that josh allen plays or not i mean I, did he even play a snap last preseason um i, I don't I think he did so we'll see if he plays on on saturday or not but i i think that i want to see what our corners are going to look like in in game action, or at least what our starting projected starting quarterbacks. Cause if, if Joey Porter jr. Doesn't win a starting spot, I don't know who's starting a corner. Um, James Pierre, Levi Wallace, or is it just Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace on the outside? And then they figure out something with uh, your nickel. Yeah. I, well, that's, I, I think that the they, Steelers, it, they would really benefit from Joey Porter jr. Being able to win that starting spot. And I don't, th like I said, I don't think you should be handed it. I don't think just because of where he was drafted and, and what his name is, I don't think he should be handed it, but it would be really nice to actually see him progress in, the, in that outside corner slot and be able to be named a starter. So honestly, from the defense, that's probably what I'm going to be looking at the most this Saturday because I'm really curious how that, how that unit's going to mesh because similar to a lot of other positions, 
it's a lot of new faces in the secondary. And so how are they going to play together? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Alan did mention to me that we saw for the first time today at practice, uh, Joey Porter Jr. and Levi Wallace with Patrick Peterson inside in some nickel sets. Um, also in like dime, they were going, uh, like Quan Alexander was their dime linebacker, which is awesome to see that be the case. Um, we saw some three safety stuff with, you know, Minka, KZ, and Neil all on the field at the same time. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how that translates over to a game on the offensive side. <clears throat> I want to see what receiver down on the depth chart steps up because as far as we've gotten production from receivers at this point has been Calvin Austin's big 67 yard catch. And that's a guy pretty comfortably is the fourth wide receiver in our opinion. So who under him is going to make some plays on Saturday to stand out for to be that fifth guy that's kept. And that's assuming that it's like, cause right now, like, is it five or six? I certainly don't see the case for six, but I'm wondering who even number five is. Yeah. I mean, You've got some options. I mean, Gunner is still there. You got Hakeem Butler, Miles Boykin. With Gunner, Here's... it's going to be the money, right? Like he's he's been the best option so far out of them, in my opinion, in camp. But he costs over two million dollars. Everybody else is under a mill. Yeah, that that could be the case. Um, and with with Calvin Austin being listed as the returner for the punt return and the kick return, that that takes away an element of Gunner that you that you would want on the team. So maybe that's the reason that he ends up being being gone. But I would like to see, like you're saying, one of these wide receivers actually produce and step up in a big way, whether that is Butler or Boykin or whoever it is. Um, Cody White is is still out there, you know. I, I I think that that they needs to be someone to be able to step up because uh, honestly, we we know the top four. We're not worried about the top four. That's that's basically set in stone, but we have no idea who number five is, and I feel like that's that's fairly rare. At least when I think about years years past, we have at least a pretty good idea of like how the wide receiver room is going to shape up to be, whether whether we like we we're it was going to be five or six guys. We had a pretty good idea of who those six would be. Right now, mm -hmm. we have no idea who that yeah. who that fifth one's going to be. So yeah, that that would be really interesting to see. Also, another guy. I just not really looking. I mean, I'll look to him for him to improve on, or not improve, but like build off what he did on Friday night. Anthony McFarlane had a good game too. Um, just want to give him yes. a shout out as well. I think he's pretty much solidified Easily. that he's RB three. Um, yeah. that we we questioned that this summer, but he has slammed <laughs> the door shut on any conversation for that. Um, but shout out to him because he's looked really good. Him, him, and Calvin Austin bring a lot of speed to this offense, which I think could be utilized. Well, in something that we've talked about with Matt Canada's offense, like that, that style of offense and the, and the schemes that he could draw up, McFarlane and Austin are perfect candidates to to run some of these some of these jet sweeps and some of these plays directly for them to to get on the outside and use that speed. So, I I, I think that more so than in years past, Canada, if we're going to see what we think we could see from him, has the players at his disposal to be able to do so. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to finish off by saying was we've talked so much about how we're not making excuses for Canada. Like if you're an NFL offensive coordinator, you should be able to do more than what he has with the pieces that he's had. But at the same time, I will say along with that, um, there is a case to be made that he hasn't had the pieces that fit his ideal offense. So now, I mean, it's he's got everything that he should need at his disposal. It's so 
people complain about the jet sweeps for whatever reason, by the way. I mean, if you're going to complain about one thing in Matt Canada's offense, it's sure it certainly shouldn't be a play that they average over six yards per carry doing. Um, but just give the ball, like look at Calvin Austin popping off 23 yards or whatever it was in that game on a jet sweep. Now the defense, they got to be honest with that. So if you even now you can build a passing attack off of that, they got to keep them honest. So I, I'm excited to see how they do this. Um, again, we're talking about a Matt Canada offense. So like I'm not like incredibly like, oh, they're going to average 30 points per game or anything this year. But I do think they are in a better position to succeed this year than in past years. And I'll leave it at that. And last thought for me, I've thought about this since Friday night. I think they finally have the ability to stretch the field. Like, like we haven't seen the past several seasons. We, we've we we've been dunking and diamond type of offense. We haven't had really players. Because I just think back to Calvin Austin's touchdown that he had from Mason Rudolph. We have a mm-hmm. player that can stretch the field, that can break it open, take the, take the lid off, and take the top off of defense. And I, I think that we haven't really had that in several seasons. So yeah, I this is basically just building on what you were just saying. There's there is no excuse whatsoever for Matt Canada this season. Absolutely not. All right. Well, that does it for our Steelers show for the week. Again, we will be recording a Penguins and Pirates episode separately as well. So you can check those out if you're a fan of those teams as well. Um, in the description of this show, you will find links to our GoFundMe year six of rocking around the 412 setup. We've raised $25,000 in the five years of doing this mission, going directly to providing Christmas for families starting last year and continuing on for hopefully as long as we do this mission. We've partnered up with the East Rochester Salvation Army to give as many kids as possible from their uh, angel tree of life. Um, the Christmas that they deserve as well. We're doing that in our late friend Dalton Keene's name. As you guys know, we lost Dalton last year. And when we reached out to uh, Kaylee to help provide Christmas for Isla, she said, can we instead do this? And what we did was we adopted a bunch of kids from that angel tree at Salvation Army, um, 15 to be specific, and uh, gave them a great Christmas. So we look forward to being able to do that. Uh, going forward as well so uh, all there they have their own facebook page you can see the stuff that they do they have a food bank there they have a church there they teach the kids how to play instruments i mean they do everything over at the east rochester salvation army and it's really cool so you can check that out along with our friend Haley wagner everything custom designs she does a lot of really cool uh shirts and like she recently did aprons she's doing like bags for kids for halloween like she can do a lot of different things not hats yet but hopefully soon because i've asked her about it um but I think that's it, unless you got anything else. Nope, that'll wrap up this one. We will see you uh, tomorrow for our Penguins episode. See you then. Yeah, just somewhere on this, it should be giving you like a suggested video or something, so you can click on that. But for for Smitty and Tyler, this has been the Around the 412 Steelers show, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.